0: All right, you're on. Good morning, Ace. How are you?
1: I'm good. How you doing, Susan?
0: Good. You look like you need coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about well, a gallon. Bro. Welcome to our podcast. What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, today the, we're going to be talking about relationships and families and communication is going to be the the prime focus for uh, couples in this crazy lifestyle that you have chosen to be a part of.
1: Yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about. I kind of say that every week, but when it comes to talking, um, if you haven't told already, I, I love communication. I love talking. I love language. I think this is really, really important to just everyday life and especially for your relationships at home. So this is a really good topic for me. I like this.
0: Good. And we're going to talk about our sponsor first.
1: Yeah. Universal MMA. Um, I was out there a little while ago that we did a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. I've talked about it every uh, week since then, uh, telling you guys to go out there. I really encourage you guys to get involved in some kind of physical fitness, especially a martial arts gym. Jiu-jitsu is huge nowadays, especially for law enforcement and military. Guys are really falling in love with it. I can see why. Um, I've done probably a little more than a year of it before this and it's been a while since I was back and going back They they handed my butt to me, but it was a lot of fun Um, It's a great great gym go out there talk with danger. That's the owner Uh, You can get in contact with them with everything we have on the screen here A really good gym down in East Mesa uh, in Arizona Um, If you don't have uh, Access to them go to whatever gym you have near you and check them out. Um, It's a good thing to get into It's good for stress relief and stuff like that. So Check them out. They're great guys. They do law enforcement discounts and they take care of us. So we wanted to give them a shout out here on the show.
0: And we appreciate their sponsoring us. And we'll have to put up some pictures maybe in the next couple of weeks of your experience there, because they were actually pretty priceless. I got a real charge (laughs) out of them. (laughs) But anyway, here on Fighting Progress this morning, our focus for this month is going to be all about Uh, families, relationships, because there's just so much going on that's impacting families right now. And one of the things I know that you and I have talked about in the past um, among ourselves is about how uh, one of my pet peeves in law enforcement academies is an old archaic concept that they're still continuing to teach today that they probably taught 100 years ago when our producer Chuck was in the academy and that is this concept of teaching officers to keep personal and professional separate. This absolutely drives me nuts and when I have a chance to teach in academies, I'm sure the RTOs aren't necessarily fond of it, but I make a big point out of that is absolutely an impossibility. We're asking people to split this lifestyle and it's causing major major problems it always has and it always will so it's time to get away from that what are your thoughts on it
1: yeah i remember being taught the same thing you're talking about uh keeping things separate um i know they had a class at the end of the academy where they talked about communicating um didn't really talk about how to do that exactly Uh, but it was something that it was not very clear in the academy and i didn't really understand why it needed to be because i hadn't done the job yet so now being in the job, I can see definitely with the old school officers, how they're just like, when they clock out, they shut it off and they go home. Um, and they don't, really, they don't really talk about it with the rest of us officers, let alone, I'm sure, with their family members. Um, not really something I've ever had a problem with. <laughs> I kind of told my wife, I'm going to tell you stories and she's all about it. So I got a little luckier there uh, just naturally. But um, yeah, it's definitely an issue that we have as far as trying to keep two very important parts of our life separate from each other, which on its face, when you put it that way, doesn't really make very much sense.
0: Well, and I, you know, I always love the analogy that they used to give out to of, you know, when you get home, hang your gun belt on the outside of the door in your mind's eye so that when you enter the house, now your dad, husband, wife, mother, whatever. And then about the time I always laughed and could envision about the time you, walk in the door and you try to transition that way. Your phone goes off, your pagers used to go off, and now you got to go back out and in your mind's eye, snatch that belt off off the outside wall. And I thought, this is just stupid is what this is. There's no other word for it. Because of the fact that it's a lifestyle, we've got to learn to incorporate our families into it. And the only way to do that is with communication because you're not going to take them to work with you every day. Uh, Even if you could, that wouldn't be a good plan anyway. But we've got to teach people it's okay to talk about this job and how to do it, when to do it, and where to do it. The why I think is pretty, uh, should be pretty cut and dry. I'm not sure that it always is. But the why is because families are a part of this lifestyle and they can be greatly impacted by it. I remember feeling the frustration I had of being married to a federal agent in drug enforcement that I couldn't shout from the rooftops what he did. I couldn't go out and tell everybody in the world what he did. I had to be very selective about how I even talked about his, his career. And the same for children. Children can't be running around screaming it either. And so this is something that we do have to train people how to do it. And so the why is pretty simple. Um, I think the when can be a little bit difficult sometimes. What's your routine when you get home from work?
1: Um, so it's changed over time. Um, now it's more of, I have an unwind period because we kind of come to an understanding mm-hmm. that that's more normal, that's healthy, to have a little bit of like non-communicative time. When I get home, kind of leave me alone, let me decompress. Um, kind of turn off all those uh, those aggressive sensors in my head or whatever it is Um, and then we then we can talk kind of just casually it just sort of becomes a conversation as to like how my day was and how her day was just part of the process Um, but I know before it was um, I would call her during my shift and tell her stories or then I would share stuff when I got home Um, it I think it's probably become less communication just as things have become more normal you know um but it's it it, it's something that we've we've always communicated so and i'm always i like telling stories so that's always been pretty simple for me and it's never been a problem uh in our home as far as me being able to do that um i don't always do it and i think that is where the problems start is when i start to shut down um she just probably assumes that I don't have any good stories for the day. So that's that's probably where the where the issues would start is when I start to be quiet for whatever reason. If something's going on with me or if I'm having stressors at work or even at home and it's going back and forth, then that'll that'll start causing a problem because I'll get quiet and that's that's no good for anybody.
0: No. Ace Quiet runs all kind of red flags up the pole. That's for sure for all <laughs> of us that know and love you dearly. <laughs> But I think some of the times, too, what happens with spouses is when when the law enforcement spouse gets quiet, a lot of times we start to interpret that we have done something. Kids will do this, too, that somehow you're unhappy at home um, or the children start to think they have done something wrong because you're not communicating that it's something at work that's bothering you, whether it's a supervisor that has jumped all in your stuff or you had a frustrating case. And, you know, the other kind of conflict with all of this is in everything we talk about, we have to talk about it from a perspective of three different shifts. Because again, some guys and gals are getting home, families are already in bed asleep and then they don't really have that resource to talk to necessarily. Or they get home and the kids are trying to get ready for school and the the spouse is trying to get kids bathed and fed and clothed and homework done and all of those kinds of things. And one of the things that I do suggest for some couples, depending again on shifts and when you're uh, headed home, a lot of times a phone call and a conversation as you drive home can let the spouse know ahead of time kind of what's going on because I can remember the frustration of Marshall coming in and being in a bad mood because of something that happened at work that day and how that would filter into the household versus if he would have called on the way home and said, here's what's happened. Not been a good day. Didn't he have to give details? Just not that it's, it's not been a good day. And then I would have at least known a little more what to expect when it walked through the door. And so I really encourage couples to do these things. Just check in. I don't mean a 30 minute conversation, just a simple, Hey, rough day to coming in, not in the best mood. Give me 20 minutes, give me 30 minutes, give me time to take a shower and wash the day off. And then we can sit down and try to have a civilized conversation rather than hitting them the minute they walk in the door.
1: Yeah. For sure. And I think something that we talked about when I first started speaking with you about um, communication in my relationship was communication languages. And I know I wasn't very educated on how my wife communicated. I mean, I knew what I observed, but I didn't know that that was in a special category. So coming to an understanding of how we both communicate and the fact that it is different. Um, once we could understand how the other person communicated, that made that so much easier because I knew when she did something instead of saying something that that was her caring or that was her you know giving me space or trying to be close to me and comfort me or whatever so to to reach out and try and understand how your significant other or how the, just the people in your life that you find important if you're single uh, how they communicate to you that's that's going to be really important to understanding what they're trying to say to you because we we all kind of use the same words we're speaking the same english language but we don't always mean the same things we don't always have the same intentions in our mind so it's important to understand how somebody communicates all all together i mean you know all about it body language um the way your face looks when you're saying something all that stuff if you've been married for a long time you know exactly what i mean just that look she gives you you know you're in trouble so she shouldn't have to say a word so it's important to understand those things
0: yeah i had to laugh yesterday i saw a meme on facebook and you're the first person i thought of and it was something to the effect of a husband asking for advice. Uh, and it, it was a cop that had posted, of course, but he was saying, I need, I need advice here. My wife and I got into a disagreement and she said, I'm right now. What do I do? And I thought, yeah, that's a, that would make him very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the yeah, other know part of this you know, that great. I think that we need to talk about is, what to communicate. And I think that this comes with kind of a pre-communication early on in a relationship if if you're listening and you're dating a law enforcement officer or you're married to a law enforcement officer or he's about or she is about to become a law enforcement officer conversations need to be had at that level and this is something I think we need to teach in the academy which I do when I have those opportunities is discussing how much the spouse or significant other wants to hear. The worst thing that the law enforcement officer can do is make that decision for their significant other, because then you take a parent role in the relationship. Parents should decide how much children know and what the details are. And as it becomes more age and age appropriate, you certainly don't want an 18 year old being talked to like they're five years old in the household. But spouses need to talk to each other about what they want to hear. And for those of you that are not the law enforcement officer who are the spouse or the significant other, hear me say this, the worst thing you can do is say, I don't want to hear about your job. If that's the case, you're in trouble before you even get started. And I don't think that you would appreciate them saying I don't want to hear about your day. Do not shut them out. But if you don't want specific details, I tell some of the trainings that I do, you don't have to go home and tell them that the brain matter was splattered on the wall. So it looked like Elvis. Some of us can handle those details, but you certainly can allow them to hear as much as they would like to, and then let them set, the tone of how much detail they really want. Give them, you know, it was a shooting, it was a death, it was whatever. Let them ask you questions. But don't make those decisions. Officers too many times have sat on my couch, and I remember one early on when I started under the shield, and his comment in class was, Susan, I tell my wife what she needs to know. And I remember every hair on the back of my neck standing up and thinking, yeah, that's going to work out really well. And he called me a few years later and he came home from shift and literally everything in the house was gone. There wasn't a nail in the wall. And my first thought in my head was, I guess you didn't tell her enough, but I wasn't about to kind of stick the knife in when he was suffering like he was. But the reality is, is he had cut her out of his life not intentionally. He didn't do it with malice or anything along those lines. He thought he was protecting her, but apparently that she didn't need to be protected. Let us make those decisions. Let us decide. Uh, Have you guys run into that situation before? Um,
1: I'm sure that we've danced around it. I'm sure there have been things that I'm trying to solve on my own or whatever. And by keeping her out of the loop, it just makes her feel like she doesn't know what's going on with me. Um, I know we've dealt with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I, I understand the tendency to want to protect that person from the stuff that we see. They didn't, They didn't. Maybe they didn't sign up for it or maybe that's how you feel. Uh, I'm, I know a lot of spouses mm-hmm. who feel like when they were with their spouse, when they signed up, that they signed up too. They feel like they're in it as much as their spouse is. so. It, but I understand the tendency to want to protect them. But a great way to protect somebody from your life is to just remove them from it. So we got to be careful. There's a balance there. There's a dichotomy, right? So we, we don't want to protect them so much that they're completely uninvolved. Um, but we don't necessarily, depending on your relationship, we don't necessarily want to just dive them head first into what we deal with. Because um, they they're not they're not trained the same way we are in most cases. They don't have the same network that we have in most cases, like we can go to a scene, see something gnarly and then go back to the station and tell terrible, horrible, dirty jokes for the next hour to kind of relieve that pressure. Right. She might not, in my case, my wife might not have that same circle of friends or she can tell gruesome jokes about the terrible things she just saw. Um, So it, it might be more difficult for them to find an outlet for that. So you do want to be careful depending on what they feel like they can handle but I totally agree. Mm-hmm. You leave it up to that house, that person, um, but you gotta have that conversation. It's just like we're talking about communication. You gotta set guidelines. Um, and yeah. maybe that sounds silly to you, to me that sounds like good planning. So I think you guys sit down and you're like, hey, so I'm gonna see some terrible things apparently, if this is something you're getting into. It, I'm gonna see some stuff, I'm gonna deal with some things, I'm gonna have some days where I just, kind of hate humanity that's just the reality of the job at least in my case it is some days and yeah. you you have to be able to put that Right? those are things that you have to, be able to move past and one of the ways that I move past it is by talking I, I talk things out I like to work them out as I'm talking I like to think about them as I'm having a conversation or a debate um, And I think that helps a lot of people so you need to you need to set down the ground rules as far as what you're gonna be talking about specifically and the type of language that you want to use it, it sounds maybe it sounds a little too uh, detailed for you now if you're not in a relationship like that but it you, you really do need to understand how your partner communicates because if I just go in there and I start talking to her like I was talking to somebody at the station um, I'm almost mm-hmm. certain that it would make her uncomfortable because I would talk way more aggressively um, my language would be a little worse right it's, it's just it's a different vernacular it's a different culture a different vernacular you have to understand that your marriage is a special place, in my opinion, a sacred place. And it's somewhere you come home and you talk with your wife about things that are going on and you can problem solve, or maybe you just want her to listen, but you gotta set ground rules. If you don't set ground rules, you're gonna be all over the place and making a ton of mistakes that you don't need to make.
0: And in defense of that conversation that you guys have at the station, um, I don't think a lot of administrators and supervisors understand, but there are actually studies that have come out that talk about the sick humor that is used not just in law enforcement and fire, but it certainly is used in emergency rooms. When I was doing rape crisis work, I I heard, I think sometimes the nurses and doctors in emergency rooms are sicker than you guys are, but it's a, it's a survival tool. And I think families need to understand that also because there are some studies that have shown that when you can use sick humor over things, that are very disturbing, traumatic to others, especially that the body sends a message to the brain. This has no power over me. And through humor, we have a lot of healing. There's a lot of uh, release and things that go on that are very necessary uh, for these professions, both in the medical field and in the law enforcement first responders for you to be able to cope with the things that you see day in and day out, because you don't see people at their best most of the time. That's not when we call you. We don't call and I ask all over the country and the world when I've taught the dispatchers, you know, uh, do you ever send an officer out because somebody's husband just got a promotion or somebody's wife just had a baby and they want the, the local officer to come smoke a cigar? No, you get called when something bad is happening to someone And so we have to understand that there's a different dynamic there for you that needs to be dealt with. And we need to allow you to have that freedom to be able to deal with it in a manner that doesn't impact you and fill up the psychological garbage can, like we talked about a few weeks ago. I think it's important also to talk about the how we communicate and when timing wise can also be important, especially where there are children. Often I find sitting on my couch or couples, here's the standard complaint that they usually come in with the first time. Usually a female is the non-law enforcement officer who says he won't talk to me. And then of course his comeback when I say, why don't you talk to her is they told me not to. And I know what happens. The spouse's first thought is if he's not talking to me, he's talking to somebody which is not going to lead to a very healthy relationship. And then they have to be taught how to communicate. And one of the things that I teach is the rule of never start sentences with the word you. When you start sentences with the word you, it's kind of interesting what happens in the brain with regards to uh, it. You think you're being attacked. I use the example with couples. I had one yesterday and I said, If an officer walks in my office, and the first thing I say to him is, you always, he pulls his gun, he shoots me, I'm lying in the floor, dying, and I look up and say, I was just going to say, look nice. And he goes, well, you should have said it sooner. Versus the officer that walks in, and the first thing that I say is, I think you always, he may reach down on clip to have the gun available, but he's listening to the remainder of my sentence. And I go, look nice. Clips it back, says, okay, thank you. So when we communicate and we start sentences with the word you, a lot of times it starts, you always, you never, you don't, you won't. And even if there's something positive behind it, it's, it's lost. It's missed. People need to learn to communicate. I need, I need you to communicate with me more. I need you to give me more details. I need you to tell me about your day. Or I think, I think you're holding this stuff in and protecting me. Um, I want, I want you to feel free to come home and talk to me about your day. And I want to be able to talk to you about my day. If people will focus on this and couples need to I also learned a valuable lesson years ago when I taught a couple this and they called me later that night in a restaurant, having a fight. And I said, what in the world, She said, he started the sentence with the word you. And I said, okay, and what did you do? And she goes, I said, you started that sentence with the word you. And now the fight was on. And I said, okay, apparently we have to be a little more uh, specific. Come up with cues to each other. I don't care if it's a timeout signal, pull your ear, scratch your head, something that says, think about what you just said and reword it. These are things people have to be taught and learn because we're all conditioned. Now that I've said this, everybody listening to this podcast is going to be stopping and realizing how many times they start sentences with the word you. Supervisors do it. Cut it out, supervisors. They're not listening to you. Just like teenagers. Start a sentence with the word you and a teenager does not hear another word. They've already shut you out. So we have to learn how to communicate in a manner that people can receive it. And I think this is something, isn't this something we talked about uh, with you guys?
1: Yeah. Uh, so while you're telling the story, I was thinking about how now, just because we're so practiced at it, it's almost like, you know, when, you, when you're watching the Discovery Channel and there's two like predatory cats or two wolves, they start to circle each other and kind of posture and figure each other out. We do the same thing with communication now when it comes to like, if we have an issue, we're like, I kind of want to talk to you. How do you feel about talking? and you kind of feel each other out for a little bit and kind of base the conversation little by little. And then you start with, I think, and this is what I'm feeling. And what do you think about what I think? And, you know, you kind of tiptoe your way in there into the conversation just to kind of see where the other person's at and make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about, that there's no miscommunication. So yeah, for sure, it's become a pattern, you know, and I think people are, it's funny cause I, I noticed on the last few podcasts that we did, um, I start a lot of my sentences with, I think, or in my opinion, right, because I'm so well-trained <laughs> now, thank you
0: uh, <laughs> Um but
1: That people are uh, were creatures of pattern, right? And we, we pick up on that stuff from a young age and we start to understand based on body language, on how a sentence is started, on uh, the tone of somebody, if something is going to be accusatory, if we need to be defensive, if we need to be offensive. We're very social creatures. We're we're incredibly social. So we we pick up on those things subconsciously and we start to just build little networks in our mind. So when you start that mm-hmm. sentence with you, I'm telling you that 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 partner of yours isn't actively thinking, oh, here I'm gonna get them this time. It is just natural reflex to prepare themselves to defend. It's it is completely natural. And that's just because of the way people speak and because of the way people have communications and have confrontations. That's how they go most of the time. So that is a huge indicator that they're about to be confronted. It's just natural. It's not because you're in particular a jerk and your your wife is just reacting to you always being a jerk. It's just human nature and it is totally normal within communications throughout that person's life. It's not just you. Um, so that that's a big thing. It's not because you're you're some a hole who's always accusing her of something. Even if you are, um, it's it's not because of that. It's because that's how everybody accuses everybody of things is they point that finger right verbally and physically. So it's getting out of those little patterns and noticing them, making yourself better educated and more intelligent so that you can more accurately assess a problem and, and hit it where it needs to be hit. Um, We, we train on that kind of stuff at work all the time, being precise with your response. I mean, why do we carry a thousand different pieces of gear? Because we want to be exact in our response. We want it to be, be perfectly tailored to the thing that we do we don't want to use too little force because then we might not get compliance and we don't want to use too much because then somebody got hurt that didn't need to get hurt so we want to use Mm -hmm. just the right amount that was reasonable to get them to stop right it's exactly the same thing in a relationship i know i'm talking about using force in a relationship but the analogy i think carries (laughs) is you're you're using your words as a tool and you want to use the right words to get the right message across so that you set the proper basis for the conversation. Um, if you can learn to do that and make it habitual, conversations go better. And I'm, like I was saying, I've even made this habitual in my own relationship, and conversations still go off the rails. So it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of practice getting this right and starting to feel out your partner and uh, how they communicate and how they respond to you and all kinds of stuff. It's it's a It's a labyrinth, but you can figure it out.
0: And I don't think I had to beat you with the red man stick I have in my office too many times to, to break that habit, did I? I only remember no. a handful <laughs> of times. <laughs> that can be very effective too. Uh, but I think it, it is important for spouses to also understand, and this is why to me it's a it's a good thing. If you can communicate on the way home, off shift, Because you're coming off a lot of times off of a shift that where there's been a great deal of frustration, great deal of people angry um, that you're having to negotiate. So you're coming in kind of in a defensive posture a lot of times that you don't even realize because you've been in that defensive posture for 8, 10, 12 hours, however long you've been on shift. And so you don't even you don't even see it. And so when spouses can have that conversation with you coming home and already know that's what you're walking into, rather than assuming you're going to walk in all happy and you know, life's been great that day and everything's gone well, then you're starting on the same page right off the bat. And I think that's important. And then again, finding a tactful way to be able to check each other. This isn't one side or the other. This, and this is general communication for the, for the world not just law enforcement and first responders and their families, but children need to be taught this. You should be teaching this in your home to your kids. Now it will bite you in the butt because I remember teaching mine this at a young age and coming back off one of my trips to New York and walking in. And I had taught him about absolutes and all this, and I walked in tired. It had been a tough week. And I hit the door and there are children and there are shoes everywhere. And the first thing I think out of my mouth was something to the effect of, you never put your shoes away. And William Marshall turns around and looks at me and says, you started that sentence with the word you. And I believe I put my shoes away when, you know, I was seven years old back, you know, whenever that was. And I'm thinking child protective services is probably going to have to get called. (laughs) Uh, But, this is what I had taught. So sometimes it could kind of come back and bite you in the butt, but it, they were right. I was wrong. Hit the door with the wrong words and the bad mood and nobody was expecting it. And that's that's how it went. So this is why this is such an important thing. You can see where couples could really go, especially if the spouse has been home all day or, or has a tough job. You know, this is something that cop to cop, or even cop to anyone in the law enforcement field for the most part, they have an advantage. These are marriages that have Mm -hmm. different issues, but right off the bat, they already know some of this by nature. And, but you have to remember your spouse that's not in law enforcement might've had a really bad day too. And so now we've got two people in bad places coming in not expecting it from the other one. And then we lock up right off the bat not good for children. It's not good for mm-hmm. family life. This is where you have to ask for a timeout and it's okay to ask for a timeout. Um, I've had to work with couples where one will chase the other one around the house trying to force the conversation. That That is a manipulation. That is a control issue. That will never, and I don't use the word never very often, but that will never lead to anything positive. You're going to force your partner to shut down, retreat. It becomes competition and everybody's getting madder and madder. Now, don't ever say we'll talk about it later because we know what that means. It'll never get talked about. Mm-hmm. Set it yeah. pick a location. After the children go to bed, we'll meet at the kitchen table. We'll meet at the fire pit in the backyard. We'll meet on the back porch, whatever, and have this conversation. But everybody has the right to go to their separate corners, decompress, get the emotion out of it. Because when you fight from a place of emotion, it's like Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman talks about, it's like arguing with a rabid dog through the mail slot on your door. You're getting nowhere. Everybody decompress and come to a better place and then come back together. But you have to set a time and location for that. And I think this is something you guys have put into practice.
1: Yeah, that was a huge tool for us learning that because I was the one that chased her down, right? I had that idea that, well, if I can verbalize it and if I can define the problem and I can get us on the same page, then we can fix it. So don't run away from me. I can I can do this. I can fix this. And I would chase her down, um, even though she she would know herself and she would know that she's getting frustrated and that she needs to just take a minute. And I would follow her right into the bathroom or over into the the kitchen or wherever she was going and i would demand that we continue to get to the bottom of this problem right Uh, right now because time is of the essence for some reason and that that was exactly like you said that caused nothing but more problems and I, i created more problems than i solved so even though i was trying to nail down that problem that i was whatever i was mad about chasing her into that other room and forcing her to talk about it on my terms while she's still emotional and while it's making me emotional we're we're creating more turmoil and we're breaking down our ability to communicate because emotions run so high she was feeling so pressured and it just causes everybody to make missteps and to say things that they didn't want to say or don't mean saying or that they do mean but we need to keep to ourselves um, but whatever it is, it's, that, was, that was really not an effective tool that I continued to employ for years in my marriage. I, I, I've been married for, uh, it'll be 11 years in January. So I have, a, I have a little bit of experience in screwing it up. So I can tell you that doing that for the, for the nine and a half years that I did before I started to learn that that was a bad idea, um, I can look back and see the pattern of that continually building. Um, a more and more defensive spouse because she started to become aware, like I said, creatures of pattern. She became aware that if there was a problem that I was going to chase her down. So she would try and chase me off before I did that. So conflict would rise because of that. That's, that's not good. So you're, you're creating patterns that are more destructive to your communication than they are good. So learning these good tools, like you're talking about, it's huge. Giving each other space that was the really big one was hey let's come back and talk about this in two hours at the kitchen table right time and a place that's always really helpful for me i don't know if it's a cop thing or if it's just me but it i really like being told in two hours at 7 30 when the kids are asleep we can sit down at the table like specifics right <laughs> i'm very wordy yeah. so that was really helpful yeah. for me because it made me feel because you give her the terms right hey would you like to come back and talk about this and she would say yeah sure two hours after the kids are asleep okay and i put her in control it for a moment so i gave up that control which is good right that's a peace offering in essence and then she's able to set a time and set a date and have that sorted out so that she's prepared to come back to that right um and that that was really really helpful as far as solving problems we both come in level-headed we both came in with the understanding that we're trying to solve a problem not to attack the other person because why would you agree to a peace treaty in two hours from now just to go cut each other's heads off so you kind of both it sets the tone right we're both here to solve it we both want to be better let's come back to this when we're not angry and we can talk it out and you both go into it with this understanding of okay maybe i screwed something up maybe they screwed something up let's talk about it and let's figure out an answer and be better and more often than not that is extremely successful especially compared to the way i was doing it Uh, Tools are everything. This is huge in a relationship. So I'm, I'm a big believer of that.
0: Well, and I feel like when you do it the other way, you wind up arguing about things that really weren't even an issue until you made them an issue. And then by the time you come back to talk about the problem, you're both kind of laughing, going, it really wasn't a big deal, but we made it a big deal in everything else. Because most people, when they fight, they really aren't fighting about what they're fighting about. It's other stuff that has built up, and this is the acceptable thing to fight about. But there are too many other things that have come into play that they haven't communicated about and talked about. And the same thing happens with children. We usually wind up yelling at our children for something that they've done, and they've done it a million times that didn't bother us, but today it bothered us because it was such a crappy day that this is the thing I can pick out now to get mad about, and everybody ought to understand. That's okay for me to get mad about that. So if if we can implement these tools into these relationships and understand we're equal partners, this this isn't about one person dominating over the other one. When it gets to those levels, you've gone to a parent-child relationship. And I know in one of the podcasts, we'll throw this out. there as a kind of a tickler for people to make sure they stay tuned the whole month of October. We're going to be talking about the impact of communication, on sex. And as I teach in classes, uh, when I give them that little heads up, uh, I talk about, I can teach you how to have more sex with your spouse than you ever thought possible. And when I said that in one of the classes, one of the deputies told me, he said, all right, Susan, he says, I'm, I'm not necessarily buying into this, but, but I'm going to try what you've suggested. And the next week he sent me an email and all it said was I'm exhausted in capital letters. So apparently it has worked <laughs> so we're going to give some of yeah, those tips is. and tools. Also in, in, and I'm not even going to say which episode cause I, I want them to stay tuned. And cause we all know that, it, especially most of you men, not that there aren't some women who feel this way also, but you'd like a lot more of that type of communication in the bedroom going on. And it is an important part and it is also something that should be unique to a couple. Um, you know, you email other people, you go to lunch with other people, you have dinner with other people, but that type of relationship is meant for a committed relationship. And so when it's not happening, and somebody's nagging somebody else for it all the time, it leads to lots of problems. So this is something that we are going to, we tackle it in our training classes where we have the spouse or significant other there with the officer. And this is something that we're also going to tackle on here in one of our podcasts as we talk about family issues, uh, children's issues, those kinds of things that are very important because I want to see these marriages healthy. This, This should be your stress reliever is your home life. And right now with all the concerns and even families being attacked and threatened families afraid and rightfully so they're scared. Um, You know, when you are seeing officers being disciplined for things like, I don't know if you saw it or not, but, and I don't remember where it was, but an officer had his, he was sitting in his patrol car. Someone was approaching the patrol car in an aggressive manner and he had his gun out pointed toward the door. It wasn't visible, but he had it out. And now he's, oh, I think it was in Seattle. And now he's being disciplined or brought up on some kind of internal charges or something. People are losing their minds as they should. I, I don't have a problem with those things. But when families are being having to be concerned now, not just about the fear of injury and death, but they're having to worry about also being scrutinized and punish through your department. Now they're being hit mm-hmm. from every angle and they have no control, have no ability to even know what's going on. That again is why you have to come home and talk about it because otherwise they're going to get their information from what? Uh, the news. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily an effective place or Facebook. There's, there's an even better place. Let's get it off social media. <laughs> (laughs) And and that's not a good plan either. Um, So they they have to understand what's happening. And you need, as a law enforcement officer, need to understand the unique place families are right now. Because this is a difficult spot to be in. And it's very frustrating and upsetting. And sometimes spouses are afraid to talk to the law enforcement officer because they don't want them to know that they're concerned. But the law enforcement officer needs to know their families are concerned. Because then it appears they don't care. And we can't have that happen either.
1: Yeah. And something you touched on earlier that I want to just talk about for a second before we close out, because I know we're coming to the end here, is you kind of mentioned how sometimes often, I don't know if you mentioned it. I'll just get to it. Officers, I think, at least in my experience and me personally, right, took for granted that Mm -hmm. our wives are just, like in my, in in my case, my wife is a stay at home wife. And I just, Mm -hmm. I think I adopted the attitude. I don't know that I actually thought it through that her job isn't as difficult as mine. Right. Um, and I've heard a bunch of arguments for why that might be the case or whatever. Right. And and you have your opinions as far as whoever's listening. Um, but let me explain something to you that I've learned is that, with her, like we we go to work and we're worried about being scrutinized, just like you were talking about, Susan, about being viewed by the public, being able to solve problems and not be persecuted and, <laughs> both legally and uh, in our departments and at home. And we have all these stresses that are on us. And we talk about how this is a tough job because of all those stressors and the evil that we face and things like that. So d- my wife, something that I didn't understand and something that helped me communicate better instead of talking to her, like somebody who you know, has an easier life because I provide a nice life for her, right? Um, That that's not the case. She's at home with three kids, and she's worried about me judging her. She's worried about her kids turning out okay. She's worried about is she keeping everything clean and happy enough for me to come home to? Is she being a good communicator? Uh, And I'm certain that I am just scratching the surface of those problems. That's an iceberg, right? and they have problems just as big as yours as as an officer you need to understand that they have a different set of problems right it's a different lifestyle it's a different problem than we face they face different things that they have to solve all day long and it to be able to understand that they are your equal when you're coming home just that they're on a different planet right and that you guys come home at the end of the day and you converge and you talk about two planets Um, and how they both kind of suck in some ways and the great things that you love about them and why you keep doing them. So just have a mutual respect for that because I was never one to say that um, I was, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm misogynistic, right? And I wasn't into the whole my wife staying home with the kids thing or anything like that. And I I do believe that there's a lot of good in that. But It's been a wonderful thing for our family. But to understand that they're a different person with a completely different set of problems and to understand that you guys are, equals in those problems, right? I know I'm a cop and she's not. And that means we're different, but we have, that just means that we're, we have completely different issues and you need to be able to communicate those. It's not just about your problems at work and it's not just about how stressed you are and the stuff that you face. You have to be able to reach out and cross that line for her because there's stuff that she's dealing with, um, that you are not going to understand and that you just have to kind of sit there and you know, pat her on the back and tell her it's going to be okay. It, it goes both ways. We're talking a lot about how to help the law enforcement officer. And I totally get that. And that's what this show's for. It's to help with those relationships. Um, but as an officer, it, it personally anyway, and maybe it's just me, um, is it's easy to get self-consumed with all the problems that you face and all the things that you see. And, you know, even if you're in a good mood and you go to work and you're kicking butt, it's easy to come home and be like, yeah, I'm the hero, right? And it's it, you can kind of get consumed with what you do. Um, you're not the only one there in that home. You, you got your wife, you got your kids, or whatever your situation is. You, you got other people that you got to worry about, um, and it doesn't stop just because you're at home. Uh, you don't you don't stop having to put yourself aside and be that hero or whatever it is you want to call yourself. You you're there for the people around you, um, and when you're an officer, I think this is where the stress comes in, is that that never stops. You are there for other people when you're at home and when you're at work, and the sooner you come to terms with that and understand that as a great thing and as a thing that's going to make you a great human being, um, the sooner you'll start learning lessons and the sooner you'll grow.
0: And I want to say this as we wrap this show up, um, a stay at home mom is the most difficult job in the world and it's the most important job in the world. And so as we wrap this edition up of Fight in Progress, we want to thank y'all for, tuning in and for following this podcast and we hope you'll continue to stay with us Uh, ace have a great week and uh, stay safe everyone out there send your questions to us if you have things you want us to be specific about we're happy to cover those things this podcast is for you god bless and stay safe
1: thanks guys have a good day